Our message this Sunday is what we call an intervention message. Somebody say an intervention message. Okay, what does that mean? I uh, mean that God knows that there are issues going on around us as a church family, as a church community. And so God says to stop and to teach and to preach. Now, some of us who are good students of the Bible, I'm sure you remember uh, at the point God struck um, Miriam with leprosy. Yeah? Uh, now, nobody here struck with leprosy in Jesus' name. But just to teach a principle, um, God actually asked that the camp of Israel should stop and wait until Miriam was healed before they will move. Now, because of one person, God stopped over four million people from moving. Okay. Now, there are some marriage situations going on in our church community. Not many, few. In fact, God has been faithful to our church. Most marriages in this church, they are working. Can we appreciate God? Majority, probably 85-90% of our marriages in TOG are working. God also has blessed us with a lot of marriages. You know, from the point we started, a lot of marriages. And majority of them are working. They are successful. Can we shout hallelujah? Okay, now there are a few that have issues. Okay, now hear me now. Uh, part of what I do, part of what Pastor Nyam and I do and the pastors and the elders is to, uh, when we discover there are people going through marriage situations, believe me, we spend a lot of our time in marriage counseling. And if you know anything about marriage counseling, um, one session sometimes on the average is four hours. Sometimes five hours. There are people who have counseled for six, six sessions. The minimum was four hours. So some of you may be saying, Pastor, do you know this is going here? There's nobody's marriage that's having a problem here that I don't know about. And most of them, we have spent a lot of time in counseling them. Now, some of them have gotten a bit out of hand. Now, let me also just say this. When I was a younger Christian, uh, for many of us, um, your pastor was like God. If, if, for example, you're having a marriage situation and somebody said, I'll go and tell pastor. You say, no, 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 no. There was fear those days. They will quickly fix the marriage. But now, they say, I want to go and tell pastor. They say, he's the only pastor. Go and tell God. As, as funny as it sounds, it's a tragedy. Hear me now. There must be at least one person you are afraid of. You can't say, go and tell any, go and tell boy, he's the only pastor. Go and tell the dowser. Wake him up and tell him. Now, some of the marriages that are having issues in our church, and like I said, God has been good to us. Many marriages are working. As a pastor or as pastors, we tell them what to do, some of them. And they rebel against it. As in, I'm not going to do what you said. Now, your submission to me or to the church is voluntary. I cannot force you to obey me. But, but the good news is that I'm a watchman. Meaning, when God says to me to warn somebody, my job is to warn the person. If the person takes heed to the warning, the person is delivered, I have done my job. But hear me now. If I warn the person, the person says to hell, pastor. Guess what? On the last day, God will say to me, you did your job. Their blood is not on your head. 
But I honestly wish that if your pastor or your elders call you and say, let's solve this problem. May God give you a teachable spirit. I beg you. The Bible says that the person who hardens his heart will, will experience sudden destruction. That's not our portion in the name of Jesus. May your heart not be so hard that no matter what anybody says, you said, this is what I'm going to do to hell. May God help us to have hearts that are flesh that God can speak to in Jesus' name. Now, typically, we would do six, seven Sundays every year and we're still going to do that. What I'm thinking to do is when we finish what we're doing now um, uh, on Wednesdays, we'll begin on, um, on Wednesdays at the midweek service to do a marriage, um, you know, do a series on marriage, but it will be interactive. We can't do that on church on Sunday. So if you guys, singles, married, married, if you value it and say, Pastor, please do it. Will you come? Will you come on Wednesday for us to do a marriage series? Let's do National Assembly. If we're going to, you say, Pastor, if you're going to do a marriage series, interactive questions are asked, all of that, all of that, I will come on Wednesday. Say, yay! If you don't want us to do it on Wednesday, say nay. Elders, you see all these hypocrites. They, but I'll be honest with you. Okay, so, so can we do a deal? After this Wednesday, we will finish on favor. We start the series on marriage for singles and married. Questions asked, interactive We'll take six Wednesdays and do it. Are we, going to, are we going to be happy to do that? Come on, let's shout hallelujah. Okay, so I'll just do, um, well, it's going to be a pretty, well, lengthy message, but it's, it will be an inter- I'll cover a bit of things, but I'll try not to preach. I'll teach. I'll try. I know it's going to be difficult to stay here and just preach. Okay, I know it will be difficult, but God will help me in Jesus' name. Amen. What I'm, what I'm talking about this Sunday morning, uh, but before I begin to talk about it, let me also just say this. Now, I, I, I didn't come here to preach to specific individuals. I'm not, okay, because pastor knows I'm having issues with my wife or husband, so you're using me to preach. Let me say this, I'm not using you to preach. Did you hear what I said? I'm not doing what? I'm not, I didn't come here to preach with you in mind. But on the other hand, I came here to preach to you. Did you understand what I just said? Because if I didn't come to preach to you, my message is not relevant, it means you wasted your Sunday. So if I'm preaching and he, he pricks you, I'm very happy. If he wounds you, hallelujah. You hear me now? In those days, it, it was said that when people left church on Sunday, they're like this. They are sober. He said, a good Sunday is one when you leave church, something has touched you. You're sober. Not you came to church jumping, you leave again, jumping, nothing has entered. I hope you know that Peter, elders, Peter never did an altar call. In Acts, Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, he never did an altar call. We do altar calls today. You know, anybody want to give their life to Christ? He did it. Go and read it. What happened? By the time he finished preaching, the Bible says that their hearts were what? Pricked. 
They came and said, men and brethren, what must we do? They demanded for an altar call. A good message is one that makes you sober. A good message changes you, touches your heart. So I'm hoping that when we're living today, we'll be sober. Every one of us. And we're going to say to God, what changes must I make? So I came to preach to you. Tell your neighbor, pastor will be talking to you this morning. No, no, tell them, say, pastor will be talking to you this morning. Pastor will be talking to you this morning. Now, now just to just, uh, because I, I always like to give scriptures for what I do. Every time the word of God is preached, it's supposed to do this. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Media, if you're able to show it, I'll just read that quickly. Every time the word of God is preached, or you read the word of God, or you hear the word of God, this should happen, okay? Now, Paul was writing to his son in the Lord, Timothy, uh, Pastor Timothy. Uh, of course, from verse 15, he began to say to Timothy, uh, he said, Timothy, oh man, let me just back up to 14. Uh, he said, but Timothy, you must continue in the things, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 to 16, I read from 14, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from who you have learned them. Verse 15, and that from childhood, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Okay? which are able to make you wise. May the word of God make you wise in the name of Jesus. Okay, for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, particular attention for everyone this morning, verse 16. All scripture, all scripture, the word of God is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Somebody said the word of God will profit me. Come on, say the word of God will profit me. Come on, just wave your right and say the word of God will profit me. Okay, and is profitable for doctrine, okay? Meaning for teaching, okay? For reproof. Somebody say reproof. Okay? For correction. For correction. One of the things that God desires that every time his word is preached, it corrects you. It corrects you. Every time you read God's word in your devotion, or it's been preached like this, or you hear it on the CD, it's supposed to correct you. Praise God. For correction, for what? Instruction in righteousness. Now hear me. I'm a New Testament teacher and a believer. You know, one of the major problems today in church, especially in 21st century church, is this message of grace. Because now people are saying, I can commit adultery, I'm covered by grace. That's a doctrine from the pits of hell. Grace can never permit you to commit adultery. To cheat on your wife or cheat on your husband. And the doctor says, once saved, always saved. I'll teach on those things. We cannot practice lawlessness as children of God. We practice righteousness. We must what? Now, you, you're not saved by your works. But once, once righteousness has been placed on you, what do you do? You practice it. For instruction, the Bible says. Just a second. Can you put it back there? Verse 16. For correction... For instruction in what? That means that people who are righteous, their instructions we have to obey. And I'm hoping that this Sunday we will hear and will obey in Jesus' name. What I'm, what I'm teaching on this morning, we're calling it marriage. Marriage built, built to last and to be enjoyed. Marriage built to last and to be enjoyed. What that immediately says is that when God planned marriage, for God it was designed to be a permanent thing. 
God never designed marriage to end after one year or two years. Marriage was designed by God to be what? Permanent. Till death do us part. Till death do us part. Very words of God. God had permanence in his mind. Permanence. When I was going to get married to my wife 22 years ago, there was no option in my heart for divorce. No, it wasn't an option. I plan to marry this beautiful woman for as long as oxygen is in my lungs. It was never an issue of after five years, if I tire, I walk away. No, for life. And she knows that. Ask her, she will tell you. And I've told her, except she won't walk go, but with walking stick like this, at 90. I say, honey, how now? For together we'll see our children's children's children. In the name of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. Built to last and to be enjoyed. Now let's look at some scriptures. Matthew 19. Let's read from verse 9. Matthew 19. Let's read from verse 3 please. Matthew 19. 3. We're going to look at some scriptures. Hear me now. Like I said, I didn't come to preach with you, your name in my note. But if it touch you, no. That's good. It should change you. Amen. Matthew 19 verse 3. Quickly. The Pharisees also came to him testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, this is Jesus they are asking. Jesus came from heaven, from his father. Let's go. Verse 4. Quickly now. Verse 4. Verse 4. Media, you need to help me today. We're looking at a number of scriptures. Verse 4. And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning did what? Made them, okay, go to verse 5. And said, for this reason, a man shall what? By the way, one of these days, I will teach why it's a man that has to live. We've taught it before, but we need to say it again. Why not a woman? And there's a reason. A man shall what? Leave his father and his mother. Because if you're a man and you're still tied to your mother and your father, something is wrong. And be joined to what? And the two shall become what? One flesh. Go to next verse. So then... They are no longer what? Two. But what? Therefore, what God has what? Let no man do what? Let no man do what? Let no man do what? What anything God puts together. Let no man. Whether it's a judge, a magistrate, the man or the woman himself, you don't have the right to separate it. Go down. Go down. Quickly. 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 Go back, go back to it. Go back, go back. Next verse. they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away under the Old Testament? Verse 8. He said to them, Moses, because of what? Moses, because of what? Underline the hardness on the screen. Because of what? The hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives. Can we read the following thing? This is Jesus. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. Malachi 2, 13. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. Some of you think that the only thing that is in Malachi is will a man rob God? <laughs> you think it's only tight. Malachi is a very rich book, by the way. Some of you don't read it because of fear of tight. May God deliver you from it in Jesus' name. 
The other things in, in Malachi are not just tight. Praise God. Malachi, ah, media, are you afraid of it? Go to it now, Malachi 2. <laughs> this is serious business, so. Okay, can we read together once again? Go to, go to verse 14. Now, media, just, just leave that. This is very rich. I can preach two Sundays from here alone. But hear what it says. It says, uh, beginning from uh, the preceding verse, uh, it says, your prayers are not being answered. And we see that confirmed, of course. We see that confirmed um, in the New Testament. Uh, it says that we're joint heads of grace with our wives and our husband. And so it says that the reason why your prayers are not answered is because of the issues that you have. is in the Bible, actually. Okay? Uh, so, so both of you are joint signatories uh, in that account called grace. Amen? Okay, so that's why you need to live in, in unity, okay, with your wife and your husband. Okay, and then it says, uh, so your prayers are not answered, and it, and it says why? It says why? Because um, the Lord has been witness. Somebody say witness. Okay, the Lord was a witness on your wedding day. The Lord was a witness between you and the wife of your what? Of your youth, with whom you have done what? Dealt what? Aha. Yet, she is your what? Your companion and your wife by what? We'll talk about covenant in a short while. And your wife by what? Covenant. Let's, let's read on. But did he not make them one? Did God not make them one? Having a remnant of the spirit. And why one? Because God seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take it to your what? Spirit. And let none deal what? With the wife of his what? Of his youth. Verse 16. Okay, by the way, this is talking to both people. Say, Pastor, you didn't mention me. I'm sure you understand the spirit of what God is saying here. Let's finally read this. For the Lord God of Israel says that he what? For he covers one's garment with it. Says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, let me ask you a question this morning. Even though this is one of the last things I'll say uh, this message as we close. If God said that he hates divorce in that scripture, I don't know when the book of Malachi was written. Do you think he has changed his mind? Come on now, can we, be, can we talk this morning? Do you think that God now likes divorce? You know God is not like me and you now. If he hated, hated it then, he still hates it now. God's original intention is his eternal and final intention. I know somebody is saying, and I'm going ahead of myself, but Pastor, over 50% of marriages now are failing, are divorcing. The fact that it's happening doesn't mean it makes the heart of God happy. And we're going to hear about that today. The fact that 20 million people are doing it still doesn't mean it pleases God. And hear me, if, it to, if I decide to slap this man now, God knows that slapping him is wrong. But will you hold my hand? No, you didn't hear me. Will God hold my hand? And therefore, I can slap you. We, we, the Holy Spirit will go hold my hand though. I can slap him well. But has he made God happy? 
same with anything that God doesn't like. You can commit fornication. You can do everything you want to do. Does it make God happy? His original intention still remains his present intention. He uses a very strong word. God hates divorce. Praise God. Finally, Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The word of God by itself just preaches to us. Matthew 7 from verse 21. I said close that door please. Close that door. Close that, that door. That door. Close it. Thank you. Is it closed? Okay, thank you. Matthew 7 from 21. Okay, now not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall do what? Oh really? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall what? Enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my father, him. You know, you know, you know, it is so it's so bad now in the day we live in that everybody's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. In fact, somebody can be twerking and say, God bless my twerking. It is so bad now. Meaning, people don't even that there's no fear of God anymore. Comedians are using scriptures to joke, using everything to joke. There is nothing that is sacred anymore. In fact, these days, Amramas are going to operation. They will hold hands in agreement. Kidnappers are... No, I'm telling you. Kidnappers are going on operation. Let's, let's, let's agree that God will prosper this journey. That's where the church and Christianity is today. I'm telling you the truth. No fear anymore in the hearts of people for God. But God knew this and that's why I gave this scripture. Let's go back to it. Let's go back to it. Not everyone who says to me, I wonder many of us that say, Lord, Lord, shall do what? But what? Come on now, can we do it together? Who enters the kingdom of heaven? Who enters? He who does the will. You won't like pastor today. Oh. He who does what? The will of my father in heaven. Now, now this is Jesus, so go to the next verse. Many will say to me that the Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name. Be careful who is laying hands on you. And praying for you. Let's go. And then I will declare to them. Can we read together? I never knew you. Hey, yeah. Depart from me. You do what? May, may you not be one who practice lawlessness. To practice lawlessness means there are no boundaries in your life. There are no laws, principles that guide you. There are things you want to say. You say, what will God say? To practice lawlessness, there are no boundaries in your life. You can do anything. Because somebody told you that grace, you know, there's a special grace. Once you're in that circle of grace, you can do anything. It's a light on the pits of hell. You can't practice lawlessness as a child of God. Somebody say hallelujah. Can you lift up your hand and say, Father, stop me from practicing lawlessness in the name of Jesus. Can we put it back? Put it back. Put it back. Okay, verse, verse 24. Quickly now. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and for that matter, whoever hears every word of God, let me see. And I preach this a lot of weddings I do. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does what? And does them. It's not just enough to come to church on Sunday and hear the word of God. Not enough to just uh, read the Bible. No. Whoever hears it and does what? Does them. I will liken him or her to a wise man 
or a wise woman who did what? Who built his house on the rock. By the way, this is where House on Rock got their name from, if you didn't know before. That's where they got their name from. But let's go on. Next verse. And the rain what? The, the, the what? The floods came. And the winds blew. And beat on that house. And what? And for what? It was founded on the rock. This is not my message, but let me just say this. When you see people going through something, or an organization or a church, it's not necessarily the fact that they have missed it. Good and bad people will experience storm. In fact, how, how, how you are tested is that storms must come. So don't make any noise until you are tested. So don't see someone that say, God must be weeping him for sin. Now lie. Like you're going to see. So be careful how you quickly judge. There's something they did wrong. You don't know nothing. Put, put it back. And the rain descended. The floods came. And the winds blew and beat on the house. But what did he say? For it was what? You will not fall in the name of Jesus. Go to 26. But everyone who hears these sins of mine. And, and what? Does not do them. Will be like a foolish man or woman. Who built his what? His house on the sand. Let's go to 27. And the rain. The same situation happens to the good and to the bad. And beat on that house. And what? What was the last sentence there? Marriage. Marriage. Built to last. And to be enjoyed. Now, if God planned that I need to stay married. By the way, my parents, they've been married now for 53 years. Or 54 years, actually, this year. Uh, two days ago, my uncle basically literally just paid, paid me my way through school, university and law school. Uh, two days ago, or yesterday, was this uh, 50 years of being married to an American woman, which is a record. And I called him to wish him happy anniversary. My prayer is that if you're married here, you will celebrate your 50th anniversary in the name of Jesus. Now, but if, if God is saying to us that marriage was built to last, that means he must also have in his mind that the marriage should be enjoyed. Because if the marriage is just lasting and it is hell, then God must be a wicked God. Because how many of you know that if your marriage is not working, just two weeks looks like two years. So I can, I can God, who is a good God, keep you in hell forever. Except that he planned that not only should the marriage last, but the marriage should be enjoyed. And my prayer this Sunday is that your marriage should be enjoyed in the name of Jesus. For those of you who are married here, your marriage will not be endure, you will not endure your marriage. You will enjoy it in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, hear me now. Now, singles, I'm going to talk a little bit to you this morning. Most marriage, most marriage problems over the years that I've been involved in marriage, and I've done that for, for a long time. In my former church where I spent a bulk of my ministry life, for over 12 years, I was the pastor in charge of marriage. I used to jokingly say that we had three three assistant pastors there. 
Uh, one of them was in charge of the children's church, uh, children and youth church. I was in charge of marriages and the adults. The other pastor was in charge of funerals. Not a good job. So, the one in charge of children and youth, we used to say, he will hatch them. Pastor in charge of what? Hatching. You know, like hatching um, uh, you know, eggs and all of that. I was in charge of matching them together. And that other pastor was in charge of dispatching them. So he hatched. I matched together. What did his own do? He dispatched them. But God blessed me to give me the one that is in the middle. Praise God. Praise God. So I had the privilege of being involved in marriages for a long time. And to the glory of God, I think I've probably joined over 600 couples in my life. Maybe more. Maybe more. I've done all kinds of weddings. I've done weddings, four weddings in a day. Done weddings Sunday, Friday, Thursday. I'll be honest with you, I've done a lot of marriages. And most of you know that is a strength that God has given to me. Praise God. And over these years, what, something I've learned is that 99% of marriage problems are foundational. 99% of marriage problems are what? 99% of marriage problems are what? Very rarely do problems you see in marriage just show up. It was there from the beginning. So quickly because of time, three things we, we just quickly just run through is and this for singles. Singles, are you here this Sunday? Now hear me. Hear me single. Why you marry is very important. Why you marry is very important. Who you marry is very important. And how you marry is important. If you miss it in these three things, it will show up down the road. Why you marry? You say, Pastor, what do you mean by why? Once the reason for marriage is wrong, it will show up. It will show up just down the road. In some cases, just even six months. I've been in situations where people got married. I got them married like now. In two months, the marriage was already failing. Because the why was wrong. Why? Why? I'm getting old. So the next person that shows up and say, marry me, amen. Oh, ah, the guy is loaded though. Loaded to the eyeballs. My parents will no longer suffer. We teach in our church here the right and the wrong reasons to get married. The right and wrong reasons to get married is not, uh, we don't have the time to teach that as a message because that's a whole message by itself. But you need to ask yourself, single, why am I getting married? Now, my small rule told us, the late my small rule, that the moment the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is what? Many people go into marriage not having a clue what marriage is about. Everybody getting married, so let's get married. Once you don't know the purpose of a thing, first you cannot maximize the thing because you don't understand it. Once you don't understand something, you will mess it up. So singles, before you get married, ask yourself, why am I getting married? Do I understand what marriage is about? Why marriage? Praise God. Now, who you marry is important. Clearly, the problems that you face in the marriage will be with the person you married. Now, in those days, now it's old-fashioned now, Pastor Wally. You know those days when we were in the university, got born again, Scriptures like 
do not be unequally yoked. All of us knew it. Sister Fumi, if you call people and say, where's that scripture? Nobody knows. When was the last time you heard it? The only scriptures you know are breakthrough scriptures. Holy Ghost! That's what you know. But in the Bible, do not be what? Unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Bible says, what communion has light with darkness? What, what fellowship has a believer with an infidel? And minister, 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 the issue is not an issue that pastor, you know he goes to church. Let me be honest with you. If God himself decides to decide who are true believers here now, out of us, all of us here. Somebody going to church means nothing. Are they submitted to God? Are they afraid of God? Do they quake at his word? Many people can, somebody can leave church, pass through this door. The next thing that's slapping somebody. No restraint. No, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't send anything to them. They have, they have quenched him. They have used extinguisher to quench him since. That's if he was there in the first place. So, before you decide to marry somebody, you should be able to know who are they really. Some of you ladies, somebody say, before you marry, I must, I must sample. I must know what I'm getting. I say, if you don't, if you don't sleep with me, I move on. All the sisters that they've given me, why won't you give me? Somebody comes and asks, ah, Pastor, should I sleep with them? No, people have asked those questions. You know, Pastor, they go go, and another sister go agree. But before we go too far, who you marry is important. But let me say this. <laughs> you yourself, are you the right person? You know, many of you are looking for Mr. Right. Are you? I read some, something one of our members posted yesterday. It says to get better, you need to attract better, you need to be better yourself. You want Boaz. Are you root? Praise God. How you marry? Now, you are thinking, you have, okay, that's the person. But it's a process. There must be courtship. Because courtship will allow you to know who you're really marrying. We're asking somebody that day, getting married. How long have you known the person? Pastor Nima, you know the person I'm talking about. We had three months. Only three months in a journey of life. Three months is too short to know anybody. The other thing is this. Will you go through some of the marriage problems we are dealing with our church now? Some didn't go through any premarital counseling program. How can you go into something that will last for life and you didn't subject yourself? To premarital counseling, or you went to true one that was just rubbish. How you marry 
is important. Somebody say hallelujah. Now by by default, somebody say by default, a Christian marriage should work. Isn't that so? A Christian marriage should what? Should work by default. Meaning, ordinarily, when the two people are Christians, it should work. But unfortunately, 50% of Christian marriages are failing now. Why? And like we said before, the fact that somebody goes to church doesn't make them a Christian. If the two parties are submitted to God, if they, hear me now, if there's a fear of God in your heart, if they are quick to obey God, both of them, then it should work. But maybe just one of them fears God. One of them is the one that just follows God's word. And the other person doesn't care at all. It will fail. It will fail. I'll quickly just let, let tell you six building blocks for a successful marriage. How many? Six. The first one is this. If you want your marriage to last and to be enjoyed. The first one is this. Media, can you show it quickly now? I'm going to begin to move a bit fast now. Okay, six building blocks for what? Of a successful marriage. Now, for your marriage to succeed, and if you're here, you're married, this is for you. You're not married, this is also for you. All of them begin with C, and that was done deliberately so you won't forget them. Okay? You need to write them down. God bless you. I'll quickly run through them. Uh, six building blocks for a successful marriage. The first and the most important thing that you need to know if you're here, you're married, is that your marriage is not a contract your marriage is a covenant your marriage is a what is a covenant now there's a huge difference between contract and covenant for us christians now you know i'm a lawyer um ordinarily in you know in secular meaning uh, legal meaning there is no difference between contract and covenant but we are not secular people. The Bible usage of the word covenant. The Bible doesn't use contract. The Bible uses what? Covenant. And we saw that in Malachi chapter 2. God says that he was a witness to the covenant between both of you. So what is a covenant? Now we know that God himself makes covenant. Is that so? God himself, what does he do? He enters into covenant. We see the nature of God from Abraham and with Noah and with David. All of them, God enters into covenant. Okay? God doesn't enter into contract. God enters into what? Covenant. Okay? Because a covenant is a sacred thing. It's a sacred agreement. When God instituted marriage, Pastor Wale, he instituted marriage to be a sacred agreement between a man and his wife. A sacred, solemn agreement between a man and his what? And his wife. In fact, anytime God wants to enter into a deep relationship with a man, the first thing he does is to do what? Enter into a covenant with that person. And we're going to teach on covenant one of these days. So God also expects that as he is, so are we. When God wants to enter into a permanent thing with Pastor Wale, what does he do with Pastor Wale? He cuts a covenant with him. And in the Old Testament, covenants were so important. In fact, how they used to do it in those days, I don't have the time to go. There are several covenants. But many ways, many times, Pastor Wale will bring some animal. I will bring some animal. By the way, anytime you see the word covenant, the word actually there is to cut. 
there's always a cutting. Somebody say cut. Okay? There must always be a cutting. Blood must be shed. And that's why really, the way God designed it, blood should be spilled on the wedding night. We're adults here. But we don't say, for now, that blood don't work out many. That blood, the blood work out 20 years ago. But it is well. Tell your neighbor it is well. Mm. We did do them our own way now. That blood work out. That bed sheet, they don't wash out like 20 years ago. But, but see what God does. Now, what happens is this. Instead of you cutting yourself, you bring animals. And you're supposed to hack the animals to pieces. And you say to yourself, if I break this covenant, so shall my life be. That's how God. And we see that with Abraham. Genesis 15. If I break this covenant, my life shall be like the animals. Now, the short covenant that you hear in the Bible, how it was done in marriages was this. The bride brings salt. The groom brings salt in a bowl. The Hebrews still do it today. The Jews still do it today. Do you know what they do? So on the day of marriage, you'll be a woman, I'll be a man now. I'm the pastor, so I have to be the man. So you bring your salt, I bring my salt. The efficiency minister takes his salt and my salt, brings another bowl, pours both salt inside it, and will turn it. And then he says, the only way you can separate from this thing is that you must be able to remove your salt from this. Say, okay, remove, remove your salt. That's a salt covenant. The Jews still do it still tomorrow. That's why the, one of the lowest divorces is among the Jews today. They still follow it. So they go into it knowing that it's for life. No option. If you can remove the salt, then you can go. But God says that when you're getting married on any altar, he says, it's not the church people. It's not your friends. It's not your family. The number one witness is who? Oga God. He's on the altar witnessing that covenant. Any day you decide you want to walk away, you're saying to God, to hell. To hell to you. Let me tell your neighbor, marriage is a covenant. That's how God designed it. Pastor Jeff was telling me one of those days before he came to Nigeria, we were just talking. You know, I called him on the phone. So he said he was uh, in a counseling meeting with two people who were getting married in his church, uh, two Americans. And they came to ask for his counsel on what they call, I'm sure you're familiar with this, on prenup. You know what prenup is? Prenuptial. In America, especially when either of the parties they have money. They're doing well, okay? They're going to get married. So what do they do? Okay, like, uh, like uh, Elder Form now, that is loaded. Say amen now. Okay, he has money, uh, or the lady has money. They will first get a lawyer to draw up what they call a prenup. What is a prenup? A prenup is saying that if for some reason the marriage breaks, you cannot touch my money. Most of these celebrities do it. Many of them. Many of them who have money do it. So they came to Pastor Jeff and said, we want to do a prenup. When we tire, nobody go touch anybody thing. Whatever you carry come, you carry go. Because in America, 
by the way, uh, Jeff Bezos, who, well, until recently was the richest man in the world. Jeff Bezos had uh, how many billions? How, how many billions? $160 billion. Now, you know, he, the wife of uh, almost 30 or more years, they, they were getting divorced. And by the time they got divorced, by American law, the woman immediately inherits 50% of the wealth. By that divorce, that woman is now the richest woman in the world. Or immediately, half of Jeff Bezos' wealth went to her. So, all these Americans now are wives. So, I am loaded. Before we marry, let's do a prenup. But hear me, that is of the world. So, I said, Pastor Jeff, what did you tell them? Because the moment you say, let's draw a prenup, what you are presupposing is what? But when you're not planning to work out anywhere, why would you do a prenup? So he said to them, if I'm the one joining you, no prenup. Either you say it's for life. I was doing, I was doing a, um, a wedding here in you know recently. Don't want to mention. So I was taking the, uh, getting them to take the vows. Here in this church, we say for better, for worse. In sickness and in health. Do you know why we do that? Because marriage is for what? You won't say, okay, pastor. When I married her, she was size 8. Pastor, have you seen her recently? She's now size 22. Not be that person I marry you. Well, have you forgotten that you put her for that condition? So we're taking the vows. And the lady, I said for better voice, I said for better for best. Because what we're... We are pushing this whole thing about confession to an extreme. But hear me. The way God designed it is for better, for worse. In sickness and health. Till death do us part. If you want to marry somebody, that is the vow. That is the vow. Because the two, the two they become one. One. Praise God. Do you understand what covenant is now? Okay. So, if, if you're a couple and you're sitting next to each other, you're married, tell your wife, tell your husband, we day in this thing for life, oh. Eh? Tabernacle of David, we die here. Pastor Nyama, we die here. Come now, come, 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 come. Come, stand up, stand up, stand up. 22 years now. I die here in the name of Jesus. I die here. You better talk so or else you're not going to go out. They need to hear you say. I die here. Did all of you hear it? Praise God. We die here. May God lead you to the man or to the woman that you can say, I die here. Praise God. Praise God. Now the second thing quickly now, building block, foundational building block, then second one, is character. Don't just say, Pastor, he goes to church. She goes to church. If there's no godly character, forget going to church. It is assumed that the Christ that you have received as Lord and Savior has reformed your character. They lie, she lies, they're dishonest. No integrity. 
You know, it shocks me why your wife or your husband, they don't know your password. What are you hiding? Somebody say, Pastor, I don't want them to do my balance to see my balance. You know, women at the moment she sees my balance, she's not gonna let me rest. Me, I'm different too. To be honest with you, my wife's password is my password. Did you hear that said? She's here. My phone. In fact, my wife uses my phone and my password, my iPad, more than she uses her own. It's a great. Most I see her on my phone. What are you doing? My battery has gone out. What are you doing my iPad? She, I, I sleep off. Is there on the, on the bed. Anything she won't do, do. Because there is nothing to hide. Naked and not ashamed. Naked and not ashamed. What are you hiding? So, there must be godly character. Godly character. Unfortunately, majority of people who come to church now are coming to church for what they can get from God. God has not reformed their character. So we're just using God. It's like going to Babalao's place. Babalao. No relationship. Do you have a relationship with Babalao? It's just what he can do for you. God is not Babalao. There must be a relationship. Somebody say hallelujah. Okay? So there must be godly character. Fear of God. Fear of God. My wife, can, I can say this boldly because it's the truth. We're married for 22 years now. You know, those days, and I was sharing this with a couple who were counseling the other day. So those days, Elder Form, when my wife offends me, now she will offend me more, by the way. She did hear, you know. Is it not true? <laughs> and see, when she offends me, say like 10 years ago, it may take me two days, maybe one week to forgive. As we're coming closer, it will take me three days. Now, in fact, when she offends me now, I can't even remember that she offended me. That's the grace where I am now. In, in fact, you know, she's here. To be honest with you, and I told them, I said, it's an uncommon grace. And I'm talking about, she's here. I, I mean, it's like 10 seconds, it's gone. In fact, even as the thing is, the offense is there, I'm doing something for her. Godly character. Can we go to the next one? Quickly, next one. Commitment. You can't be involved in anything and you want it to work and you're not committed to its success. And I'm talking about husband and what? Wife. When people come and they're having problems, I say, show me. Somebody said to me the other day, Pastor, I love my wife. I say, but everything you have done and, and are doing is opposite of I love my wife. I said, my wife was there. I said, it's impossible. How can you? I said, the love of the Bible is not a noun. So is a what? It's a verb. It's an action word. You say you love my, you, I love my wife. And everything you're doing shows that you don't love her. Commitment must be intentional. Commitment must be what? Deliberate. Now hear me. Some of you know, you know, my wife traveled, went to the US. To be honest with you, I didn't have money. But she's here. God knows. I scraped everything in heaven and earth for her to travel. And by the way, she offended me in that period. Why she's offending me? I was looking for the ticket to buy. 
If you want your marriage to work, there must be something you're doing. The Bible says in Hebrews that every house is built by someone. Every house is built by someone. If you see any marriage that's working, somebody is working it. Any marriage that's successful, it's not by luck. It requires work. Hear me now. Some of you know, I work this thing. I work it. I've done the work this thing. 22 years. I don't they work out because if you stop working it, it dies. You stop watering it, it dies. And please, let me say this to married couple. Don't just allow one person to be doing all the work. You're wicked if the person is just doing all the work. I said to people, the closest person to you in this world is your wife or your husband. And the person who many times who holds your happiness is your spouse. So how can you be this wicked? What does it take to make your wife happy? Sometimes nothing. What does it take to make your husband happy? What does it take? What does it take? Sometimes the most ridiculous things is what is creating problem. And the devil is knocking your hands together. The Bible says that our days here on earth shall be like the days of the heaven upon the earth. You know what? When your marriage works, eh? It'll be like heaven. Oh, Jesus. Plus all the other fringe benefits. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Minister God, Thompson, you know what I'm talking about now. Come, come, you're a bad boy. You're a bad boy. Oh, when the thing is working, eh? Let the, let the hearer Free enjoyment. Any day of the week. Any hour. If you just say, honey, I'm coming back home now. Office don't close. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's a bigger stress to be fighting. It's easier to be at peace. Somebody say hallelujah. So, be committed. Many people have not seen. When I was going into this marriage two years ago, I said to her, Except you decide this will fail. But from this Pastor Ike, it won't fail from me. And she knows that for 22 years, I have worked it. I have worked it. I have worked it. And I'm still working it. If you want your marriage to work, work it. Somebody say hallelujah. Go to the next one. Next one, quickly. Next one. I'll just rush through that because of time. Communication. Is the lifeline of any relationship. That, that's by itself. We can teach like two Sundays, three Sundays, I mean, or three messages. Now, every relationship, once communication begins to die, you stop talking, the marriage begins to die. It's a lifeline of every, every relationship. So, no matter what happens, please keep talking. No. Keep talking. Now, this is a whole subject by itself. We won't be able to delve into it. You must be able to know how to communicate to your wife. Your wife must be able to know how to communicate to you. And listen, keep talking. Sometimes you see a marriage. People are married. And, and it's happening in this church. People are married for, uh, for two years. They, they just say hello, hi. And they can come to the same church or in the same car. They're not talking. Let's go to the next one. Next one. Conflict resolution. As long as there are two different people, you're going to have disagreement. It's natural. You will not agree on everything. 
you don't agree on your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, all of that. But the thing is this. The worst thing, you know, we got married, both of us are lawyers. My wife and I are lawyers, we met in law school, youth service, 1992, 27 years ago. When we were getting married, it was the Supreme Court, well, it wasn't the Supreme Court then. Uh, it wasn't the Supreme Court just then. Okay, it was, uh, you know, in the Court of Appeal, but eventually retired as a Supreme Court judge. One of the, the counsel he gave to us when we saw him, or I'd rather the wedding, he said, you know, both of you are lawyers. Now, you can always say, I put it to you. Then I will say, I put it to you. You know, we're lawyers. I put it to you on that section. Then I will say, I put it to you. He said, listen, you're not on opposite sides. You're on the same side. Marriages that are here. Listen, wife, you can't be in mind you. And your husband is in Chelsea. You can't say blue. And he says red. Wahala, don't enter there already. As simple as that sounds. Hear me. Try and come to a place where both of you are one. Don't go outside. You are arguing. Your wife and your husband must be on the same team. They are arguing. Now your wife now argue with you more outside. People live say, eh? If they do this outside, God knows what the hell is going on inside their house. Wisdom is look for a common ground. Now, when things break down, what do you do? Fix it. Repair it. Reconcile. There's always room for reconciliation. Somebody say hallelujah. Always room for what? Always room for what? In fact, I wish we had the time. When Paul was writing on, on problems of marriage, he said, you must reconcile. There must be conflict resolution. Don't say, pastor, it's, it's over. I am not doing again. Do you know that even under our laws, I can talk to you as a lawyer, when in court, um, eventually the judge decides that they are going to, uh, well, separate both of you. When, when they actually say, okay, uh, they're granting the, uh, the, you know, the divorce. Um, Pastor Wale, do you know that you're not granted what they call uh, the decrenacy, which is the final dissolution for three years? Lawyers are here, they know. Do you know why they live for three years? Because even under our law, that's saying that's still leaving room for what for reconciliation. There is no absolute decrease, even by our courts, because they're saying they're hoping that no matter what it is, they leave room for reconciliation. This is secular, talkless of children of God. No matter what she has done, no matter what you have done, leave room for what. A reconciliation. Go to the next one. Next one. I think, is that the last one? Quickly now, the last one. Choice. Now, I deliberately left this as the last one. Let me tell you, I left it as the last one. Everything we have said from number one to number five, ultimately, in this life, is the choices that you make. 
one of the greatest powers God gave to us as human beings is the power to choose. Does God want your marriage to work? Yes. But if you choose for it not to work, does God give you the choice to forgive or not to forgive? Yes. It's your choice whether you're going to forgive or not. I know I said to people, and you, most of you are close to me, I say, if out of the maybe three billion members of the other gender that are on the face of the earth, you chose that woman. You chose that man. And what I ask you is that anybody put gun for your head to say you must marry them. Voluntarily. In fact, one of the things we ask you is, do you take this person? You. Do you take this person? And what I say on the pulpit is this. Even now, you can change your mind. Are you under any compulsion? Are they blackmailing you to marry them? Is it a voluntary choice? Do you know why I ask that? Because, come on now. You enter a church, you say, not you, not you, not you. You. You made a choice. You need to keep making that choice until you die. Because I don't want to say certain things on some of the counselings I do. But you cannot wake up and choose somebody. And then after five years, say, I don't choose you again. Nalayo. You must choose Amo. What did I talk? You must choose Amo. Once you say, I do, you must keep doing till you die. Yo. That's why before singles, before you choose, take your time. Take your time. It's better to wait long. It's better to wait long than to marry wrong. There are people where there are times that they the wrong come out. You won't run inside like anyhow. I close with this. I close with this. You know, many times we use faith only to claim car. Use faith to claim house. Use faith to get things from God. When the Bible says that the just shall live by faith, it means that you walk in your marriage by faith. Faith is not to just get things from God. And what is faith? To hear God's word and to obey it. Hear me. Many times, your wife or your husband, you will need faith to stay in that relationship. And I posted something early this morning on Facebook. Any Christianity that is not costing you anything is a fake one. Any Christianity that is not costing you anything is what? A Christian that doesn't make a demand on you. That doesn't say it go pain you. Now fake Christianity be that. The things you want to do, God said, no! The Bible says, Jesus, he says, if you want to be my disciple, and if you want to follow me, what does it say? Pick up your cross. You see, those of you would think that the work on the on the Calvary was a finished work. Yes. But Jesus carried his own cross. Hello? As you day here today, you get your own. And it may be in your marriage. If in your marriage, all you want is sweet, sweet, sweet. There's a cross to carry. 
You want to go right? God says no. That is the cost of Christianity. There's, there are prizes I've paid. There are costs I've carried. But may the grace to do God's will let it come upon you in the name of Jesus. And so, finally, finally, <laughs> Pastor, I want to divorce my wife. I want to divorce my husband. I want to separate from them. We heard from God in Malachi. We heard from Jesus in Matthew. He said it's only because of the hardness of your hearts. The greatest reason why people get divorced is that it comes to a point our hearts become hard. No matter what anybody says, it has become like a stone. My prayer today is if you're walking in that journey, may God soften your heart in the name of Jesus. You know, Apostle Paul made it very difficult for you to get divorced. He said, if you decide to get divorced, then you're planning to live the rest of your life as a single. Because anybody who marries you will be committing adultery. Plain, plainly stated. Plainly stated. What Jesus Christ himself said, he said in the beginning, it was not so. May God help you in Jesus' name. Can we stand up this morning?